pleasure to be reconnecting with you, Irina. Right, and I think it's almost what twelve years now, and and uh, I should say I'm very happy to see you where you are from where I had seen you. Right, it's been a tremendous ride. Tell me a little bit about what got you on this ride to success, Irina. Great and pleasure again, Venkat. And uh, I had been looking forward to this conversation. Of course, uh, been a long time, and it was a good a good time to kind of connect back with you as well. Um, so I guess I mean you would have seen Microsoft in its evolution journey. So we pivoted a few times from what it was, say, 20 years back. I actually just completed my 20 years a couple of months back. And uh, from what it was when I joined to where we are now. And the part which you would have possibly heard Satya talk about, the part of this growth mindset, mm. I think I lived it. Beautiful. So in the last, I would say, five years, it mm. was an accelerated curve. Mm. And in the five to eight years of my overall last as many years in Microsoft, I literally lived it because when the company pivoted from being, say, coming from a product company, soft product software company to going to the service phase, becoming a solution-oriented company, going to cloud, digital acceleration, and then all the solution areas, it was an immense era in which I had to kind of learn, unlearn, accelerate my process, make it real by being in front of the customers. That was one important thing. Hmm. And the other part in my career journey, when I look at all my years out here, I really think that taking an unconventional route at time totally hmm. pays off. Because what happens is that you don't go in for a role, hmm. but the capability that you learn hmm. in that journey that is invaluable. I mean, those, so I remember two stints. One is when I took an international role and went across to Redmond for nine months. Mm. And I was, initially, I was like thrown across into the water and I, I didn't know what hit me. But the mm. skills that I learned that, I mean, incredibly smart people all around you. And mm. then you knew how to navigate, you knew how to kind of get across to a point of view and put across your narrative and everything put together and drive a business at a global scale. Another thing that I did was um, when I led education in India, I didn't know about education as a domain, neither did I know public sector. Wow. But I think... What happened is that when I met my first customer, I told him, sir, I, um, that was in the undersecretary of uh, CBA, uh, in the secondary education. And I told him, I have not known much about the domain. He asked me, have you been a student? I said, yes. He said, then you know the domain. <laughs> so uh, that's how I learned. So I think those two parts uh, is what has really kind of got me here. Beautiful. And no prizes for guessing who was the first industry leader for education for Microsoft. <laughs> of course. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I mean, that's close to the heart, right? Yeah. Very good. Tell me about how you learn, Irina, right? I mean, because there is so much of change that is happening. How do you keep yourself updated? I see all the books you keep posting, but I'm sure there is more to Irina than that. I would say um, two parts to it, actually. One is on the technology side, because that is what is required as a part of my core job. And um, second is to be aware, essentially, about what's happening. Um, so a good thing which happened for uh, us at Microsoft was also this quotient or 
or thing that we followed across for the tech intensity. Mm. And uh, when it came across, I literally plunged into it. So mm. I was, uh, say, about uh, seven, eight years back, I was doing a role which was strategy, operations, execution, and planning. Mm. And then I wanted to get into leading the uh, technical sales solution area, which, which needed a lot of technical depth. Now I knew that I didn't have it. Mm. So I kind of, but I had a flair for it. Mm. I just got myself into doing a lot of these certifications and plunging myself into deep learning. So it was literally wow. back like college days. Wow. You would be kind of going through training courses, writing, uh, getting prepared for the exams, going there. And then, I mean, coming out with, with your credentials, which would be really fulfilling. So that is one part of it. Mm. And the second part, which, which I definitely do is... Uh, listening to, I'm a person who's on the move generally. So reading, yes, I do the digital newspapers in the morning, but I kind of keep myself abreast with a lot of these podcasts and everything. And they are a boon for me. And uh, since I run, I keep on kind of uh, uh, listening to them very, very often just to be on top of things. Very good. Give us some examples, Serena. What kinds of books, what kinds of podcasts? Because I'm sure, I mean, a lot of people hearing this podcast may say, hey, give us, give us some clues. Right. What, what could those be? So let me give a, a sense of uh, the books first as well. Now, I'm a person who actually does a mix of 50-50% of both um, fiction and non-fiction. And uh, I really get indulged. In, I indulge myself into fiction also because it kind of gets me into the storytelling zone. Exactly. And, I, and I really like it. Hmm. And on the um, nonfiction part, of course, I do a lot of these things about biographies and the things about the things which are which are relevant for an entrepreneurial culture. Hmm. Uh, so no rule rules, um, hmm. the hard things about hard things. So okay. those kind of books, they hmm. kind of give you, I would say, techniques and tactics which you can play here and now hmm. In, hmm. in what you are doing. So hmm. those are the kind of uh, things which I uh, really indulge uh, myself in. And uh, the part that I kind of uh, go across to say for uh, the podcast. So there are a few of them, which I, of course, um, uh, listen on a regular basis. But the ones which I kind of keep across as a part of my uh, library are things like one is the hidden brain. That is something uh, Shankar Vedantam kind of puts across. And there are deep nuggets of philosophy, which, are, which comes across in that. Then there's this art of manliness I like. Then there is the one which Reed Hoffman uh, put across, uh, puts across. Uh, then there's a Geek Wire. So mm. these are ones which I really kind of keep on watching. The one that Reed Hoffman uh, puts across is called Masters of Scale. Mm. So those are the ones. Uh, then there's an HBR Idea Cast. So these are the ones which kind of keep a lot into the thinking zone. Mm. And um, see what happens is that when you listen to these, you execute some of them. Correct. You listen to something else, you execute some, something more. So that keeps you on the edge of doing things with which you're kind of changing and renewing yourself as well. Wonderful, wonderful. And I think it's just the diversity that helps you make those connections, right? Multiple sure. different things, and then it's actually aiding you. Now, one is about yourself and how you are becoming better, Irina. But then one is also shaped by their own managers. Yeah. Tell me about some of your best managers, Irina. What did you learn from them? Yeah, um, I must say that I've had the privilege of having really good and many good managers. <laughs> so that's uh, that's something I would really say that uh, um, I've been uh, lucky on that front. But two 
things which I learned from them, mm. um, which I kind of uh, have taken forward, mm. is one is having the people connect. Mm. And a lot of times I have kind of gone by the philosophy of lead from the front. Mm. But I literally realized that for me, what mm. worked was a good balance of lead from the one front while you push from the back. Mm. So I mm. literally didn't want to leave anybody behind. Very so good. that's something that I kind of uh, have taken as a philosophy. That's one. Mm. The second part is wearing the customer's shoes. Mm. And a lot of times when say customers would be calling, um, either you will want to have the answer or else you will want to put somebody in front <laughs> who will have the answer. But I literally realized that it's, it's being there with the customer when they need you mm. and it's not just for creating the vision, the big picture and, and those kind of things, because that you will, of course, be there mm. when the things aren't going right and they need you because their mission critical applications are not working. How do you navigate around those? Mm. That's equally and critically important. Very nice. um, and the last one I would say I've learned is be humble, be aspirational. Beautiful. That goes without saying for Irina, right? <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. That's, that's important. But tell me something also, Irina. You now manage the cloud business. Yeah. And that's as wide as the cloud, right? So there is no <laughs> boundaries there. <laughs> right? And people say you have to balance depth and breadth. Yes. Correct? How do you do that, Irina? Yeah, so uh, a lot of times people ask me also this about being a um, generalist or versus going deep into one area, right? I think the way customers are looking at solving their business problem and possibly the pandemic has accelerated that even more. In the last 24 months, everybody wants to get an end-to-end -end picture mm -hmm. about what it will bring to them if they do something, mm -hmm. right? So what happens is that, it, I mean, inevitably, you will be thinking of adjacencies of your story. Mm. If you're taking across a security solution, what does it do to your productivity? Mm. And where will the, the data be kind of feeding by? Which infrastructure it will be going across? So luckily, again, I mean, because of the privilege of leading all the solution areas, mm. I kind of got a lot into the storytelling narrative, right? Very because at the end of the day, the technology will do things. But how this entire story will help solve things for what it will mean for my customer's customer, mm. right? So mm. that's the part which becomes very important. Mm. And what I typically do is I try to learn by use cases mm. in terms of what is it in the customer's use case scenario that I'm literally trying to solve. Very and hence to solve that you need an array of various things which you take to the customer to solve it and th that definitely brings back the thing in terms of stitching the entire story connecting the dots and then kind of taking it back beautiful beautiful you mentioned storytelling Irina, right and i mean both of us know that visualization and storytelling are some of the important elements because we sacrifice so much to the logical and rational that yes. we don't get the right side of the brain to work. Yeah. Right. How, how did you manage that? I mean, this visualization, storytelling, Irina, how did you develop that skill? I would say it came um, somewhere in a part of my overall journey, mm. which I didn't know. <laughs> um, and 
I realized when I started writing. And when I started writing, I mean, I remember the first time I was writing my first LinkedIn blog uh, that was about five years back. I remember because I'd uh, finished my 15 years in Microsoft. <laughs> and I was like, I was very nervous, very edgy, thinking the world is watching my next blog to come out, which wasn't, of course, the case. <laughs> but once I wrote it, I realized that, I mean, I had a flair of a narrative which was kind of growing up because you were kind of reading things and writing got me to realize that the part of the storytelling was there, which I didn't realize as well. And which is what I tell people as well, that all of us have that element of storytelling, but we just, when we are verbalizing the conversation, you never get to know that you are a storyteller. But the minute you start writing something and then publishing it, I mean, whatever be that small blog, two paragraphs, etc., something as a note to your team or something which you're speaking across externally, that is when you realize that, yes, I mean, there is an image that you have and a story. I must also say that, I mean, when I speak to my team members, uh, whenever there is a planning, brainstorming conversation, all my kickoffs start with a story. Oh, wow. <laughs> you mastered the art now. <laughs> yes, yes. The messages and the messages are all through stories of events, people, etc. People will actually remember my story and hence the message and never the other way around. Exactly. So. Exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. In addition to all of this, Irina is a coach as well. Yes. How did that come about, Irina? Uh, for this, I must be, I, I would say that I'm really grateful to Microsoft because um, uh, there was a program called uh, uh, Super Coach, which was happening out here for about 100 coaches, creating 100 super coaches across the globe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I happen to be uh, from India. Right. And the intent was to create super coaches in turn who can get the coaching culture deep within. Sure. So, of course, it was a very, very rigorous and uh, arduous journey because you had mm -hmm. to invest in those 60 hours first getting coached, then 100 hours of coaching uh, different people. Um, so the 60 hours, of course, we could do it because you'll either attend or else you could kind of um, listen to the recordings and do the submissions. Uh, the 100 hours of coaching was not as easy because you, <laughs> you have to go behind people and coach them. <laughs> I literally so coach you. <laughs> yeah, I volunteered to coach anybody, but I kind of put some method into the madness by saying that, so many people within Microsoft, so many, I, um, the people whom I uh, work with for my underprivileged kids, et cetera, I kind of started coaching them Very and various good. things. And I think the entire journey in that entire process, mm. I, I just felt that I became a much better human being. Very because nice. that level of empathy and what I learned in that process became a lot more pronounced. Of course, I mean, giving that uh, ICF, ACC certification exam was another nightmare and it was very, very <laughs> different. <laughs> not, not at all like any of my regular technical certifications. These were very experiential so <laughs> and tough, but it was a good journey. So that's how I learned and how I kind of uh, managed to also take that back uh, uh, within Microsoft was, uh, not everything is by the way of what you learn theoretically, right? Because when you're talking to people, you're doing all these role plays, learning from each other, you're bringing problems across mm -hmm. and you're doing like real life coaching, 
there was so much that i learned that i kind of when i told my entire team or the managers at microsoft as to how to go about it there were things which they could at least templateize and take across it say things like how can you be a catalyst how can you see things from a different person's lens how can you just be lazy and let the other person talk and mm-hmm. not jump into <laughs> i mean not have that think about that monster jumping into your head to give the solution right so very that nice, was very nice i think one person calls it advice monster the other person That's calls the word. it experts curse right oh, <laughs> both of them whole <laughs> true totally very good very good now i'm interested in your perspective irina right it's a fact there are not too many women who are in sales and sales leaders at that right yeah, how can yeah. we develop that irina yeah so i think there's a dire need to have many more role models mm. first of mm. all and mm. even people who are there as role models also to amplify their narratives their mm. stories so that people can get to know uh, two parts of it that it, it's a it's a very immersive and the experience and the journey is truly satisfying right mm. so how how a person evolved from being say what they were doing to being a sales leader so when i joined uh, microsoft i just had neelam dhawan whom i used to look upon as a, a business sales leader there weren't any there wasn't anybody else and now look around i mean there are so many more so having a lot many more uh, leaders is imperative mm. uh, the second part i also think is all about this work life integration mm. so somewhere there is a little bit of a inhibition for a lot of women that a sales role means i will have to travel much my time is not within my control mm. and hence if i need to balance family and life how will that happen mm. and i think the best story that i can talk about this is the fact that i leaned upon my managers my peer group my team members at various stages of my life i had both my kids after i joined microsoft i my parents are out here and i've i've had various points of time when i just had to drop work because i had, had to be a caregiver across to them so it goes across that the credibility that you build and the commitment that you bring across you always have the license to manage your work in life it mm. is no different so i think if you are authentic and if you are kind of committed to giving across your 100% which is irrespective of the job the sales role also kind of give, gives across as much and maybe i think women at certain points of time make um as good if not better sales leaders also mm. Mm. no go for it <laughs> You're right. That's good for sure. Latter part, I knew it. No, no. I mean, it's it's a true. It's true because I mean that all of those elements of connection, empathy, etc., it comes naturally, isn't it, Irina? True, true, true. Right. Very good. I mean, you're more the the connector uh, leader, right? Yes. Who's able to help others. Yes. Now, now, tell me. Let's go a little granular, Irina. Actual sales. right when you go out meet customers engaging right how's how's being a woman more helpful irina i think um you covered one point the empathy mm. so somehow the empathy quotient of women tends to be higher right 100%. so mm. when you're 
even meeting a customer for the first time and trying to ideate as to what the solution has to be, you will actually spend a lot more time to know the customer's business problem and what you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. That is, that is one, uh, I would say virtue, which mm -hmm. I, but because of which you come out with a solution, which will stick to the customer. Mm. The second part is also that women happen to be persistent and they solve problems till it is solved. So you will not kind of give it to somebody else. You will give it to somebody else, but you'll follow up with that somebody else to also see that has it been solved. Very right? nice. Very so nice. That part comes across in a very, very natural manner that you'll want to see a closure of things when it is happening. Mm. And the third part is, I think, see, in a sales role, it's all to do with um, either you gain share or you uh, gain from compete, whichever way. The persistence <laughs> which is there for women not to give up on both scenarios, even if there's a long sales cycle, you will have the patience and the perseverance till the customer feels that, yes, I really need to forge a partnership. Right. Or else, even when you're in the face of a competitive scenario, you are literally going down to the last rungs to figure out what is the competitive differentiator, which is there in my solution game mm. to make me a winner. So that I for detail going down with that level of persistence, granularity is something I think um, we tend to do a little more. Very, maybe. Nice. Very nice. I mean, I love what you said about sense of ownership, making sure that you get it across the winning line, right? That's what is important, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Very nice, very nice. With so much happening, Irina, Irina has to take care of herself as well. Totally. How, how does she do that? How does she bring the heart, body, mind and soul together? So uh, I would say uh, I have been a stickler to fitness for a very long time. So uh, I'm a runner. Um, I've been a marathon runner. And uh, I would say somehow the pandemic, if people ask me about the virtues of the pandemic, one thing that I say that it got my fitness schedule back to the T because there was no travel which was happening. So there was no more excuse why I can't get up in the morning and not run. Mm. So I literally, uh, the first year of the pandemic, I think I ran about 60% um, of the days. Last year, it went up to 75%. And uh, currently in the first two months, six out of seven days I definitely follow my fitness nice. and which I do like right when I get up in the morning and that somehow is is the zone of the me zone like what people refer to because you are with yourself and I somehow get my most creative ideas or I mean a problem solving thing that I need to run mulling over it etc of course I do a lot of listening etc but when I have to solve for things that I also just keep myself free that works hmm. and I am um, in this direction of uh, getting much better in my mindfulness journey. Hmm. So I would say that I'm not so far reached a level where I can call myself as good as, as I'm in my fitness. Hmm. So it used to be smaller chunks of time. But starting this year, I've started putting that 30 minutes right when I so I've started getting really early. Hmm. I do that. Hmm. Uh, because I think uh, <clears throat> the the way the multitasking is needed as a part of your job, the, the way the distractions happen, and the way the pressures also build up, um, I literally realized that uh, if you don't do that, you will not get your calm. So how can you create that calm around you? So those are two things which I definitely do. Is that related to meditation, Irina? Yes, yes. Meditation, so 30 minutes in the morning, I get into my meditation as well. 
like some wise man said, meditation is about stopping to listen to the noise in the head and starting to listen to the wisdom of the soul. True. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, sure. wonderful. I want to be respectful of your time, Irina. It's been an absolute pleasure reconnecting with you. You definitely do know that you have our best wishes. We want to see you far more successful. And let's stay connected, Irina. Absolutely. It was absolutely a pleasure getting connected and speaking to you as well. Good luck for everything. Thank you so much.